want you to look now at the front of your bulletin. You'll see a picture of a little figure. Do you see that? A little guy, a little wood guy. That little guy is announcing to us this morning that we start a new sermon series called uh, Being Human, a user's guide. And today we start by looking at the different models of what it means to be human. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at, at all the instructions that, that we can find in our scripture story that help us truly become human, become who God has called us to be. Today, we're going to look at different models. And so I'm going to invite you now to, to prepare your hearts to hear the word of God from the gospel according to Matthew. Listen now for the word of God. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and had come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told them in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go also and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, remind us, remind us again that you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. So have you ever been around someone who is starstruck? Do you know the kind of person I'm talking about? They, they are obsessed with movie stars or, or with musicians or, or famous people. A few years ago, I, I traveled to California with my dear friend and, and clergy sister, Kelly. We were on our way to a retreat, and I've known Kelly for a long time since seminary days. We have been through thick and thin, up and down, good times and bad. She is truly one of my best friends, and I thought I knew her really well. But I have to tell you that when the wheels of our plane touched down at Bob Hope Airport in Burbank, California, I saw a side of my friend that I had never seen before. From the time we got off the plane and walked to baggage claim, Kelly was on the hunt 
for stars. We got into our rental car and headed to Santa Barbara, and all along the way, she'd say things like, hey, I wonder if that's a movie star over there. One time she even said, oh, I bet that's a Kardashian over there. I was so surprised by her obsession with the stars. Eventually, we made it to Santa Barbara and then up into Montecito where the retreat was going to be held. And, and as we twisted and turned up the hills to Montecito, I realized that we might actually be in star territory. If you haven't been in that part of the country before, let me tell you that there were huge estates with elaborate gates around every bend in the road. When we pulled into the gate of our retreat center, I, I realized that Kelly had gotten suspiciously quiet all of a sudden, and she looked over at me and she smiled and she said, you know what? I bet Oprah lives up here. <laughs> Kelly loves Oprah. And she was convinced that Oprah lived somewhere close by. As a matter of fact, later that day, we met some people that were at the retreat who actually lived in Montecito, and one of them overheard Kelly obsessing about Oprah, and she confirmed her suspicions. Oprah did indeed live somewhere in Montecito. Sometime in the middle of the week, that week, over breakfast, one of the retreat participants burst into the cafeteria and announced that on her walk that morning, she did indeed see Oprah Winfrey. Now, I thought Kelly was going to have a heart attack or fall out of her chair. And so, of course, from that moment on, we were on a 24-7 Oprah watch. Kelly didn't keep her obsession much of a secret. Most of the retreat participants came to giggle with us and encourage Kelly in her Oprah obsession. And one night, one of the retreatants who lived in Montecito whispered to Kelly, hey, I actually know where Oprah lives. Do you want me to give you the instructions of how to get there? And Kelly begged, oh, please, oh, please. Yes, I want those instructions. Tell me how to get there. And so the woman told Kelly, well, well send your notebook to me around the circle, and I will write the instructions for you to follow so that you can find Oprah. Kelly waited with uh, bated breath, and eventually the woman sent her notebook back around the circle to Kelly, and, and there in plain writing were the instructions that we would need to follow to find Oprah. Kelly was giddy. I have to confess to you that I was giddy too. And so I looked over Kelly's shoulder to see what those instructions were that we would need to follow. We both looked down and then we died laughing. There on the first page of Kelly's notebooks were the instructions that we would need to follow to find the star. The woman wrote, Kelly, get a life. Oprah lives in your heart. <laughs> With that, the star that Kelly was trying so hard to follow vanished into a room full of laughter. Get a life. Oprah lives in your heart. I don't know about you, but in my life, it seems like there is something more to follow than the stars of Hollywood like Oprah. And many times in my life, much like Kelly's quest for finding Oprah, I find that whatever it is I'm following doesn't always lead me where I really want to go. In your life,
what do you follow and where does it lead? Our scripture today invites us to ask that question and to enter into that ancient story of following and being led and being struck by a very different kind of star than Oprah Winfrey. The scripture story gives us two different models on how to follow. We can choose to follow in the way of the wise men or we can choose to follow in the way of King Herod. Now, before you make the choice of which model you want to follow, I want us all to take a close, honest look at the wise men, at King Herod, and at ourselves. The wise men in the story are starstruck, much like Kelly was. The wise men have a laser-like focus on finding this newborn king. The wise men in their starstruck state have given up control and desire to know exactly what to expect. They are strictly following the star that has stricken them. And they trust that they're going to end up at their destination, the cradle of the king. Now, when I look at the wise men and, and how they follow, I, I have to tell you that they make me uncomfortable. They trust, they follow, they obey, but they have no assurances, no guarantees. Well, I, I kind of like guarantees. I kind of like assurances. More than that, I, I like to know what to expect and when to expect it. Don't get me wrong, I love those wise men. But the way that they follow that star, that kind of following just doesn't come naturally to me. That kind of following requires surrendering control and putting radical trust in something beyond themselves. And that kind of trust is, well, it's hard for a control freak like me. Now, even though I know he has a bad reputation, there is another model in our story to follow in King Herod. Going into it, we all know that he is one ominous character. He is the bad guy in the story, no doubt about that. But, but here's the thing, church. I, I happen to think that sometimes we can gain as much insight from the dark characters of Scripture as we can from the heroes. Herod is a guy who wants to know exactly what to expect and when to expect it. Herod is a guy that trust doesn't come easily for. He's a, he's a belt and suspenders kind of guy. Even more than that, he really wants to control things. He wants to know where this newborn king is. He gathers as much information as he can. He asks the scholars, the scribes, the priests, who is this newborn king? Why is he so important? And is there any chance that his power will encroach on mine? Do y'all know anybody like that? The kind of person who researches and analyzes every single detail of a situation. Someone who looks at all the variables at play and then manipulates as many variables as possible to get the outcome that he or she desires. I think if we're honest with ourselves, all of us can relate to Herod at least a little bit. He wants to know what to expect. And when to expect it, the King Herods of life want everything to, to stay the same. They like things the way that they are. And they'll do just about anything to keep the status quo 
intact. So if you can be honest with yourself, don't you resist change at least a little bit? Do any of you like to have things the same as they've always been? Do any of you like to know what to expect and, and when to expect it? Is it just me or don't any of you like to be in control? It really isn't all that flattering. But I, for one, can relate to Herod a whole lot more than I can those wise men. I want to be more like the wise men. They're overwhelmed with joy in the story, and, and Herod is overwhelmed with fear. The wise men trust something beyond themselves, and Herod, well, he trusts only himself. The wise men are obedient, they are led, and they respond while Herod manages, manipulates, and controls. I want to be more like the wise men, but I think I'm a whole lot more like Herod. The wise men follow a star. Herod follows fear. What do you follow? In the story, while Herod is home planning, plotting, conniving, and controlling, the wise men keep following that star until they reach their destination. They, they finally find the king who changes the world and, and who subsequently changes their, their travel plans. Upon meeting the newborn Christ, the wise men would respond with extravagant generosity for this king born in a manger. They bow down, they pay him homage, they acknowledge the otherworldly royalty of this king, and then they leave. But, but right outside the manger, can you picture that? They're right outside the manger. And then for them, everything changes. As they leave the manger that cradles our king, they lose the star. The star is gone. What they have followed all of this time has vanished, and to make matters worse, they're told to go home a different way. Now, now I can relate to those wise men. I may not have much experience with radical trust or obedient following or extravagant generosity, but I am well acquainted with those times in life when I don't know exactly where I am going or how I will get there. Can any of you relate to the wise men, too? Huddled outside the manger? Confused? Have you ever been outside the manger of your own life? Confused? Without a star to follow? Maybe it happened when you lost a job, or a spouse, or a parent, or a child, or a dream. Maybe it happened when you got sick or hurt or when someone you love did. Maybe it happened when you lost something that you love. What do you do when the star that you've been following fades away? Have you ever been confused about what to follow? It was a cold night in November of 2009 when the star that I had been following faded away and I, and I had to make a choice on exactly what I would follow next. My district superintendent asked me to come and meet him in his office and I did and within just a few moments of our conversation I realized that my star had vanished. 
You see, I'd been working to start a new church for people who didn't like church for three years. It was a hard, gut-wrenching, lonely, uphill climb every step of the way. And even though I had some traction with about 70 people, we were never self-sustaining. And so on that cold November day, my district superintendent informed me that there would be no more funding. My church would not survive. The conference wanted me to stop my work with that new church and to begin new church and to begin preaching each week at a tiny little church that didn't have much future at all. Now, I know that many of you have heard this story, my story before. But I'm telling you it again today because I have to tell you that on those moments, on that cold November evening when my star vanished, I really had to confront myself with what model I was going to follow. Would I follow like King Herod or would I follow like the wise men? Would I trust God to lead me forward or would I follow my fear? and my heartbreak, my sorrow, and my anger. I'll tell you the truth that on that cold November day, I couldn't make any decisions at all. I was just simply stunned. But in the days and weeks that followed that star-shattering conversation, I have to confess to you all that I followed my grief. I followed my fear, and I followed my anger more than anything else. On those days, I decided that I would quit ministry. I was going to give up. I was going to go back to my first career as a speech pathologist. I was going to do anything where I could have more control over my life and my future. That felt safe to me. And so in those days, I was a whole lot like King Herod. But something happened in those first few weeks while I was mourning the death of that new church start, someone who loved me spoke truth to me. I didn't like it. I didn't want to hear it. I much preferred following my self-pity and fear and anger, but this person who loved me urged me to trust something more than my pain, more than my anger, more than my fear. He said, why don't you do something different than you've ever done before. And so I was really mad. But one rainy, cold Saturday morning in late December, even though I was pretty sure that I was going to quit ministry, I followed my GPS to Addicts United Methodist Church, this little church that they wanted me to serve. And when I pulled off the feeder road and into the parking lot of this little white country church that was literally right under the overpass of Beltway 8 outside of Houston, something mysterious happened. I sat in that parking lot and I prayed. I stared at that church and I cried. And I told God that I was scared. And then I told God that I was angry. And then I took a long look at myself, and the truth is what I saw within myself were both Herod and the wise men. 
But by the grace of God, I realized in that parking lot that I was going to have to give up my Herod-like desire for playing God. I had to stop nursing my anger and my fear. I had to give up my deep desire to want to know what to expect and when to expect it. I had to surrender control of my life and my call to ministry into God's hands. I had to develop a wise man-like faith to allow myself to be held in God's hands and then follow wherever he would lead me. You know what? I did surrender my call to ministry and my life to God in that parking lot. And you know what? God met me there at that little country church that didn't have a future that was right under the freeway. Through the love and grace of the people of that church, God began to heal me. And in the six months that I served that little church, my fear and anger and grief slowly began to subside. And I began to follow something so much bigger than myself. And praise God, it eventually led me here to all of you. I don't know what's happened in your life or what might be happening now, but I do know this, all of us will have some life circumstance that will ask us, what model are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the way of the wise men or are you going to follow the way of Herod? Herod follows fear and pain and anger and insecurity. The wise men follow faith. What do you follow? Church, the question deep down at the core of your soul really is, what has a hold of you? What has a hold of you? Is it fear or is it faith? Can you trust or do you need to control? It's a really important question. The stakes are high because if we play this story forward, what we will find is that following Herod leads to violence and death and the massacre of innocence. And oh, my dear friends, don't we have enough violence, death, and loss of innocence in this world of ours? Following the way of Herod gives us the illusion of control. But following the way of Herod never leads to life. But the wise men, the way that they follow is a way that leads to life. It's a way that makes room for the awe and overflowing joy of life but it does require us to give up control and to go home a different way. It's hard to give up control, and it's scary to go a different way, especially when life throws us curveballs. I was scared to death in November of 2009 when the star that I was following vanished and I realized I had to go a different way, I didn't want to go a different way. And there was a really big part of me that didn't want to go at all. Some of you here today may be scared to death by whatever circumstances life has dealt you. Some of you here this morning may be wondering how you can keep moving forward without the star that you've been following. If you are in that place this morning, let me give you the same advice that my friend Kelly got about Oprah. Get a life. Get a life. Get a life because, friends, that is exactly what we get 
when we encounter that tiny little baby in the manger, we get life, and we get life abundantly. And then we can be like the wise men. We can meet the unknown in our lives with awe rather than fear. We can discover that true power lies in vulnerability, not in violence. It doesn't seem possible, but that vulnerable little baby has so much more power than Herod. And that vulnerable little baby has so much more power than whatever pain, fear, or heartbreak you and I can encounter in our lives. Friends, pain and disappointment and heartache are unavoidable in this life. Don't kid yourself. But if we let that newborn king live in our hearts, and not just in that manger, what we will find is an audacity to live life so abundantly that we can take risks for the sake of love. Because in the end, that's exactly what that little baby born in the manger will do. He will risk it all on the cross for the sake of love for each and every one of us. So my dear friends, on this first Sunday of a brand new year and a brand new decade with all kinds of trouble brewing all around this world, let's follow the way that leads to life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.